wow, you know, there, I'm a pastor, and, and I could preach you two or three different sermons right now, but to talk about New Guinea is a whole new thought. Do you want the microphone, or can I do it without the microphone? No, do the mic. What did you say, Carrie? What did you what did you say before that? Oh well, I you know I think maybe one of the one of the great gifts of growing up overseas, and you would know this, and you would know this too, is you really know when you grow up someplace where your parents aren't from the place that you're growing up, and then you really realize that you're not either, which is a very painful experience. Imagine you really couldn't be from wherever you're from. That's that's the experience of it, but it, it is a gift in that. Uh, heaven becomes your only real home, yes. and and that's that that was a tremendous gift for growing up overseas is to know there is no home here on earth. I live in ten. I was talking to a friend of mine actually as I'm writing this book. Talked to a friend I grew up with, and his his response has been to settle in the Portland, Oregon area, and he hasn't moved a hundred miles in twenty years because he wants roots so badly. My experience is the other way around. I keep wandering around looking for something, <laughs> and not finding it. But that's because what I'm really looking for is heaven. And it's a gift to know that because that's true for all of us. That's really all we have for home in, in real life. It's just we learn it a little bit faster maybe as, as missionary kids. Do you identify but, with that at all, you guys? Uh, yeah, yeah. Boy, I've, I've been asked to speak off the cuff about lots of things, but never that. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Can you mention those other novels? Oh, sure. Uh, and these, these are just fun books. I, I don't write Christian fiction. I'm a Christian who writes fiction. So uh, they're primarily for your entertainment. And if they happen to edify you, thank the Holy Spirit for that. Um, but uh, I have three mysteries. They're all based on Lake Superior, strangely enough. Um, it's Superior Justice, Superior Storm, and Superior Secrets. And uh, we have books, but they're on Amazon too. Yeah, their books are on Amazon. I sell a lot of ebooks. You can Google my name, Tom Hilpert, and you'll you'll see it. Why Superior? Why Lake Superior? Yeah. We did live in Minnesota for uh, ten years, eleven years, something like that, and we went up there. And I actually started the first book when we lived here, and I finished it after we moved to Tennessee. Um, and it seemed to go well; people seemed to like it, so I kept on writing with the same setting and characters. So. Hilpert, H-I-L-P-E-R-T. Yeah, you guys can Google it right now. <laughs> H-I-L-P-E-R-T, but first name's Tom. One reason I asked you to share that is that uh, I experience something with Karen. She speaks about Americans as those people. Yeah, yeah, I do that too. I do. And when people asked her in Augsburg when she was at college, where are you from? She'd have to say, well, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and they'd say, come on, what do you mean, what do we mean? <laughs> it was an easy question for them, but not for her, because she really didn't know. That messes with people who, who live overseas, diplomats or uh, missionaries. And so uh, some turn out really exceptional, like Karen. Some get messed with and never find their identity. Yeah. Did that mess with you? It messed with me, but I think, you know, there again, the answer to where am I from is heaven. Yeah. You know, that's my home. That's that's where I'm headed. Did that and mess with you? Did it? Where did you grow up? Uh, 
four different countries. Well, friendships, I think, especially when I was younger, I made friends very quickly and intensely, and then I lost them. The, the way it was in New Guinea is people moved in and out of the country all the time. The longest-term people were missionaries. And so I was there. People would come. I'd be good friends with them, and they'd leave in you know, a couple years. So I had a lot of lot of loss growing up, just loss of, of friends. This was before the internet, before Facebook, and even email. So you know, people leave, you're not going to see them again. And I would typically write letters. We'd write letters for maybe a couple months, and then you just sort of realize, yeah, but it just doesn't matter because we're never going to see each other again. She does not so. like to say goodbye. She yeah. does not like parting at any any time. And I think well, we did. Well, in those days, we didn't even have phones. So yeah. And letters would take weeks. Yeah, yeah letter, a letter, a letter turnaround would be at least a month, for sure. So, yeah. Hey, he had a question back here. Yeah, because of all the loss that you suffered at such an early time, do you eventually callous your heart to opening up with people? Yes and no. I don't know how much of it is just my personality and how much of it was formed by that. I, I don't... Um, I'm easy to get to know on the surface. I can stand here and do this. Um, but I, I only let a few people get real close to me. I think that's probably true. Um, it doesn't really bother me, though, to not have very many close friends. Um, and I, just me personally, and uh, it, it's kind of come back, I, I learned how not to cry. And uh, when I left New Guinea for the final time, I didn't cry. And it took me a long time to learn how to cry. And my default is to suppress it. So I still don't, still don't cry very much. My children have probably never seen me cry. And my children also get distressed by the fact how I say, do Americans do this? Even you know, 25 years later, I'm still, there's still things we run into that, oh, that, that may not be an American thing. So yeah. Something I've always wondered, because I've used this line with my kids. We went into foster care, and as they kind of would buck you know, our choices, I'd say, well, if God called us to be missionaries to Africa, you'd be going along. So just go along. Yeah. How did you feel about that? I mean, your parents felt the call. You went to the mission field on their call. At some point, did it become your call, or how did you feel about the choice that the answer they made? You know, they. I was six when we first went overseas, and they did talk to us about it. And what they said is that we could get a cat if we moved overseas. <laughs> and yes. so, so I went along with it. Um, so, so I was, I was six years old when that happened and, and that was, you know, uh, but yeah, I think there was a time when it became, you know, when I became a Jesus follower for myself, not just my parents, then I was on God's mission too. Um, not that I felt like I had any great thing to accomplish there, but just that, you know, we were in it as a family. So I, I felt pretty, pretty connected to that for sure. Yes, yep, yep. Two cats, in fact, one for one my sister and one for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was hoping it didn't go My cats are my people. Yeah, yeah. But did they speak English? The cats? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, just curious um, if you're kind of, you know, what you said, you have a difficult time maybe getting close to, you know, too many people. And then you put yourself in a, a home. It sounds like you're a home. You believe in home, home church. church. Yeah. That doesn't 
connect to me. It seems mm. like that would be something you wouldn't choose to do. You would go to a church that you don't need to get. Well, you could just preach. Yeah. Right. So right. Well, in in my that? dreams, in my dreams, I have uh, John Piper's job where where I just preach and then I hide away. And I know John doesn't do that. That that's how I imagine it. You know, um, my dream job would be to just preach and then go away. Um, but you know, God's in control, not me. And so he takes me out of my comfort zone. And um, I mean, I'm not, yeah. You don't like much pain. And when I talk about red and you being, you know, being who God made you to be, sometimes, though, there it's years before that can happen. Even if there is healing, there just seems to be, I have really identified with Moses. He knew at a young age what he was supposed to be doing. He had a passion for it. He tried to do it to defend his people. But it wasn't the time, and he wasn't ready to do it. And he went out into the wilderness for years and raised a family and had a farm. I, I picture myself being very much like them. He had goats, probably. Um, and honestly, so, um, so I'm just sharing with you today where we're at. And um, I don't know how much to say more of past, but I appreciate your words and I appreciate you having us and inviting us. This has been a really fascinating year. I have no idea what God is doing. I really had let the whole dream of music go, and it has been dead for years. And in about January or February, I felt like the Lord was saying me, to me, try again. And it took two months of praying. I was like, why would I put myself through that again? Why would I try to make a CD? Why would I go through the pain of that? Because it's not going to work again. And, um, and he really had to keep pushing me, and I thought, well, okay, I guess I can try it again. But I was very guarded about even attempting. But he really just opened the doors. <clears throat> um, Tom sells books, and that's a part of our income. We're kind of piecemeal income with a few jobs that he does. And um, the month that, that we really finally said, okay, it seems like God is telling us to make the CD, Tom had this huge sale of books, and it was exactly the amount we needed two months later to pay for the CD. And um, and so and all these songs we had recorded years ago, we could take those and finish them and get them into someone. And it, it just so I'm just sharing with you. If you think of to pray for us, I have no idea what God is doing. I don't. And I after all the pain of feeling like He put something in my heart, a desire and a dream and a gift, but never allowing it to do anything. I I'm very tentative about. Okay, I don't I don't really know what you want here, God. I will. I made the CD and I will sing when you want me to sing, but I don't have any other plans. I have lots of them along. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get them out during lunch. Okay. Okay. When they want to sing another song. Yeah, they're going to. Disappointment. Disappointment in life is a huge thing. I almost didn't finish the tennis court because I got so discouraged with all the setbacks. And when I finally finished, I bore through. I finally finished it. I felt such a sense of peace and well-being after setback after setback that I didn't anticipate. And so you're talking about real life where we experience disappointments. The problem comes when we, when we excuse our picture of God and when we're disappointed in God and then we kind of back off because we're disappointed. I want to stop and have us pray and then want you guys to sing that song. But where you have experienced uh, Heavy-duty disappointments. I'm not talking about tennis court disappointments. I'm talking about the kind that you're talking about. Real disappointments in life. 
that you wonder what is going on. It, what, a, what a turn. This is not what I expected. Let's just stop and, and pray for those who are there. Okay. Raise your hand if you have that in your heart today and you want uh, prayer for uh, those kind of disappointments. If you're ne next to somebody that raises their hand, you move over and, and close in on them. Jesus, I don't feel adequate to pray about this. It has been a long road, and I don't understand, and I, I see it for other people. And I still don't know what you have ahead, but I know you, and I know you love us, and I know you created us. You created us with longings and dreams and desires and gifts And I know that your timing is not our timing sometimes, oftentimes. And I pray for healing for those who are hurt. Just pray for peace even in the not understanding and the not knowing why something has been put on hold or thwarted, maybe for years. Holy Spirit, please come and speak to us in those places. Bring your knowledge and your wisdom and your comfort. We don't, as far as we can see, we don't see that Job ever did really get a satisfactory answer about what all was going on and why he went through what he did, and yet he followed and believed, and we pray that, that you would give us that faith that you are with us through the walk and you do have a plan and we can trust you. Thank you, Jesus. So they're going to sing and then we're going to break up into small groups and then we're going to have some lunch together and uh, call it a morning. home is in heaven um, and we had a we had some friends who had a, a young young child maybe a year old and uh, his mother dropped him off at our place to babysit she had to go someplace she had to go to the doctor or something and uh, I don't know if you know anything about year old babies but they're old enough to know that they're separate from their mother and they're old enough to be really afraid when they're apart from their mother and so this little boy uh, was heartbroken when his mother left him. And, you know, for all that he knew, all that he could know at a year old, she was, he was never going to see his mother again. And it broke his heart. And he cried and he cried and he cried. He was so upset. And that was entirely appropriate for that little baby. He didn't know any better. He couldn't know any better. There's no words that we could use that would explain to him what was going on. And so it was entirely right and good and appropriate. There's nothing wrong with the fact that his heart was broken by this tragedy, as far as he knew. And yet at the same time, he was absolutely okay. There was nothing wrong at all. 
everything was going to be just fine. But there's no way that he could know that, no way that we could explain it to him. And sometimes I think we're like that little boy with God. It's appropriate to have our hearts broken for these things. And yet when we're in his hands, we're really okay. And it's a dichotomy. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be upset. And yet we can also trust it, it's absolutely okay. He's, he's absolutely got us. Uh, a season overseas, and he was on the same ship as a, a famous diplomat. I don't know the name of the missionary. But as they came into the harbor, <clears throat> there was a lot of excitement for this diplomat who was coming home. Ticker tape parade, and, uh, and, the, and the missionary felt kind of empty inside. He said, God, I've served a lot longer than this person has. He was there for three years. I was there for all. I gave my life. And uh, it was a sadness to him that there was no one to greet him. And the word that he got from the father as he prayed over this is, you're not home yet. Hmm. Okay, five minutes ago, I thought we were, the, the Lord was doing something else. So I don't know how this song fits or not maybe there's someone that needs but to maybe there's somebody that needs Sorry, to hear it I don't know if this one's on um, and I think it's good both for for you folks who maybe are young and not married yet and for those of us who are old and married um, <laughs> I think sometimes you know it's the same thing we can be disappointed in marriage uh, because honestly we get lied to for most of our lives about what marriage is like if you watch TV you read books you listen to music you're going to hear a whole bunch of lies about what it's like to really love another person. Um, and so I'm not recommending that you, you know, don't do any of those things, but I'm just saying don't believe everything uh, that you read, that you see, that you hear, because uh, marriage is actually, it's, it's a lot of work. Love is a lot of work. And uh, this song is about that, but it's also, it is a joy, and this song is a joy for both of us, but... Uh, um, Maybe a little dose of realism and some encouragement for those of us who've been at it a while and sometimes are discouraged. But the butterflies soon flew away, away in the clouds we 
walked on wooden stays. So it's down to earth and day to day. Learning love has changed again. Petals fall, maybe like a rose, it's becoming more beautiful over time. You are everything I hope for. You are everything I need. Everything to me, and I can see why it has to be this way. Anything good works that way, it's worth nothing if it doesn't take a lot of sweat and tears. And looking back, I see it now. We knew nothing when we made those vows, it's the love of God and sticking it out. It brought us to this place today. Love blooms, love grows, love's petals fall. Maybe like a rose, it's becoming more beautiful over time. We're becoming something. Thank you, Florence.